is Matt and you are listening to On The Rocks from Why Yoga. Today we have a full house. Robbie, say hello Robbie. Hello. We have Colin. Hello everyone. We have Heidi, a new guest, a first timer. Hello, thank you for having me. An old, old, old timer, Monica. <laughs> Monica, hello. Today we're going to talk about attachments and non-attachments. And I think today it's going to be a very interesting discussion. Attachment is something that yoga talks a lot about. And in order for us to progress spiritually, we have to gradually let go of these attachments. But that might not be as simple as it seems. So let's start at the beginning. Monica, how do you define attachment and how do we form them? Uh, I think everyone has his own definition of attachment, to be honest. Maybe most of the time people consider attachment a negative thing. So I would like to sort of take a step back from uh, this negative uh, sort of picture or uh, understanding that we have of attachment. It might be a sort of a habit that you have uh, developed or that grew with you and you cannot let go of it. It doesn't necessarily need to be a bad habit. Maybe it's a good habit, but you cannot change it. And this is, could be considered as, as an attachment. Or you could be attached to things and not be able to let them go. And those could be maybe considered a little bit more negative. But then I was thinking, I'm totally 100% absolutely attached to insulin that I inject. I cannot let go of it. Otherwise, my whole life would have a negative repercussion. So I love to be attached to insulin because it gives me opportunity to do a lot of things. I'm attached to everything that is needles and, and uh, uh, syringes and everything that goes around it. So that is an attachment to object, but this is a good attachment. So I want to be attached to those things because it gives me the opportunity to live and to enjoy life. So you see, so I think it's good to also look at the other side of attachment, not just as a negative thing, but also something that actually can bring you joy and can bring you a good experience. So as I believe in the, in the yoga world or yoga um, philosophy or teachings, what we want is always to find the midway and understanding what creates negative feelings and negative experiences and what actually creates a very positive experience in life. So that is my taking on like my first instinctive uh, reply towards uh, this question, what is attachment? And I think you've given us a really excellent example of how attachment can be, let's say, positive or negative, if we have to use that duality. We're all attached to insulin, but you know more about it than we do, as you don't produce it yourself. I'm interested to understand what makes the difference between a, a connection and an attachment. And I, I wonder about the, the use of the word attachment for insulin. So it's very clear that your body needs it yeah. to function. Um, but is that really an attachment in the same way that you might be attached to lovely leggings that you wear to a yoga class? No, of course, it's, it's a different thing. But for instance, you know, the positive attachment towards insulin needles and all the machines that I that I need to look after myself, it can become a negative things when I say, oh, I'm attached to the habits of eating always at eight o'clock in the morning, always at 1230 in the afternoon, always at six <laughs> in the afternoon, that and I wouldn't be able to move away from that kind of attachment to that kind of a very um, organized lifestyle to be able to control my my blood sugar. So I think it becomes more healthy than... It would be unhealthy if I would become very rigid in my lifestyle. So always keeping in mind that I can be flexible and I can sort of change times and hours and this and that. And then I can live just like any other person that does not have these issues that I have. So again, it's the, the way you look at it and how you live in my case. So it could become a negative thing, but I need to keep an eye on it and be flexible and detached maybe, or a little bit like there's other things, there's other um, aspects, other way. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need to be aware of it. And as you said, flexibility. Mental flexibility. 
Right. Flexibility seems to be a very good word to think about when you're talking about attachments and non-attachment or mm -hmm. detachment. The second question there was, how do we form attachments? So I think that with your example, you've demonstrated that some of those attachments form without necessarily needing any mental processes. And some attachments are, you know, very simply, we're born into them, right? Mm -hmm you're you're hopefully going to be born into attachment to your family and that may be positive or negative and in your case you were born into a physical situation which leads to attachment what about the other things that you've talked about what about emotions objects and so on why do we form attachments to those most of the time it's because of needs like we feel the need to fulfill a void or we have a physical need or we have an emotional needs or we have, um, you know, I think, I think it's the needs that uh, pushes you towards uh, an attachment to things even. But you evolve as an individual. So as a kid, you may be attached to a teddy bear when you sleep and you keep it with you until you're 12 or 13 years old. And that is an attachment, but it's, you know, then you grow into a teenager and you have a different attachment and then you grow into an adult not fulfilled then you have attachment and you grow into an adult fulfilled and then you have other attachments so i think it's something the attachment is something that changes that comes with you that goes that it evolves so as i said again as i said already before and i think i will repeat it again and again it is really being very conscious and very aware of the attachment that we have because somehow they some attachments they give us security i believe and and we and there are people and I'm one of those people that needs security. Give, take away anything else, but I need to feel secure. And so there are things in my life that I've built and that I need that I think that I that I need because they give me that sensation of being secure. Starting with the with the all the insulin things, but then you know knowing that I have a I could have a shaky health. Everything else has to be secure. And it has been like this so far. So how have I developed my attachment for, you know, filling up on this need? Then maybe somebody else has a different way. I think that's one very good aspect of how we form attachments. Um, I think the other one is rewards. You do something, you have something, you experience something, you get a reward from it. Mm -hmm. It might be a pleasurable sensation, it might be a feeling of fulfillment, it might be a feeling of happiness, or we also, you know, we've also talked about um, the opposite of that. Some people are attached to feeling unhappy, but we can form attachments because we get rewards from those attachments. And that brings us to the yogic aspect or the yogic definition of attachment. And for this, we turn to Robbie. What is the definition in yoga philosophy of attachment and, and the opposite? Yeah, so in the yoga world, I believe when we travel into that spiritual, let's say, setting or world, we'd like to find liberation, right? And we'd like to also understand what are the obstacles on this path. So again, this is more for those seekers or practitioners who'd like to find a freedom, liberation, or moksha. And of course, depending on the source where you turn to Buddhism, yoga, and also within the context of yoga, different scriptures will probably offer different sort of definition or um, explanation about the attachments. But the way I see or what I experience through all my practices that in this world, the attachment, it's, it's kind of like an inability to to embrace, to welcome, to, to practice uh, detachment. So in a way, it's a mindset. A lot of times it's a toxic um, sort of mindset that is not really helpful on the spiritual path. Because on the spiritual path, ideally, you'd like to live a fulfilled life. You'd like to um, find freedom. Attachments can be an obstacle or can be obstacles on the path. So depending, of course, again, on the literature, on the tradition, tradition lineage, yeah, we have different techniques to work through attachments. So we've gone a little bit further then from Monica's explanation, and we've kind of turned around our point of view. 
and you're looking at the principle is detachment. Yoga mm -hmm. says that if you're not detached, then the attachments that you have can be an obstacle yeah. towards your uh, spiritual development. And also usually um, spiritual speakers like to find sort of like a, a life without pain or suffering. And um, all these systems are somehow centered around pain, suffering. It's a bit dark, but you know, humans, we're sort of bound to suffer. And, but we have these tools like yoga, uh, Buddhism, that can help us to, um, to transform that suffering or just simply to understand the, the root cause of suffering. And some yogis or sages believe that attachments are um, responsible why we suffer. Yeah, some yogis. And um, would that include you? I mean, do you find that your attachments lead to some unhappiness? I believe so. You can, we can minimize suffering by looking at the mind, by studying your mind, your behaviors, not just the, 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 the external, but also the internal dialogue, how you do that self-talk every day, every time you show up on the mat, you'll catch yourself in the mirror, things that you do, of course, off the mat, on the mat, and, and all those basically behaviors, attitudes that can create unhealthy clinging, grasping, sometimes even addictions that can, can really blind us and, and, and keep us in this state of illusion or maya or suffering. Mm -hmm. I want to go back just a little bit to join up with Monica's point about, you know, she's attached to insulin and she introduced the ideas of sort of good and bad. How you've developed this point is to perhaps a reliance on the insulin isn't about good or bad, but it's about is it an attachment that helps you on your spiritual journey or is it an impediment to, to improving? And clearly, clearly your attachment with my air quotes to insulin is not an impediment to your spiritual growth. And in fact, it's helping to give you the opportunity to develop spiritually. But in fact, it's because of this disease that I've learned to be very conscious, present, I really feel myself, really hear myself, really, uh, it, it really gave me sort of a hard school, but I had to, I had no other way out. So I think it did help a lot in, in the whole yoga learning experience and, and living, teaching yoga, practicing the Buddhism for 17 years before previous to, to yoga. So yeah, it definitely forced me to stay connected to myself very much so, very much so. So the ideas of good and bad, Colin, um, in terms of attachment, you know, do they really apply? And also, do we find ourselves, especially those of us who practice yoga or are spiritual seekers, as um, Robbie likes to call us, are we also attached to these ideas of good and bad? We're often talking about it is what it is, and it's neither good nor bad, and, and, and often how you react to something is going to be the way that you can define whether it's good or bad. So what about good and bad and attachments and their source? As you mentioned, it's going to be a sort of, it depends. And I think most of the time when we look at attachments, we're going to look that through the lens of what we know today, through the lens of what we believe, of the value that we carry in a society. In that sense, I think we'll often, yeah, we'll, we'll look, at that with a certain numbers of values so and those values will change over time so what was good yesterday is probably not as good as it is today and what we do today is probably going to be looked upon as completely crazy in a decade or in a hundred years so indeed i would i want to i want to answer that there is probably no good about attachment that just and as you mentioned earlier the attachment that are basically helping us that that serves us and attachments that will not necessarily help us in a process whether it's a spiritual process or if it's others as for monica for her example to me a lot of the difference that i would make for insulin for example it is not an attachment because it's a matter of life or death so i I only believe that we can start those attachments once all our survival needs are met. And from that point, then we can start to develop those extra attachment that we can eventually judge, consider as healthy, not healthy, good or bad. 
but first we need to eat. We need to survive to be able to do all that. So in that sense, I don't consider insulin as an attachment. But after that, I agree, as you've said in the beginning, the fact that you will be somehow stuck with the idea that you have to take insulin at a regular time or that you need to eat that specific food is going to be an attachment. And in that case, might be good for you, maybe... And I guess even in the medical world, probably some, some food were considered good. It's like the eggs. I mean, like when I grew up, when I was a kid, the eggs was like the, the devil. And nowadays <laughs> we should eat like a hundred eggs a day if we want to be healthy. So you shouldn't eat a hundred anything. Maybe though. not a hundred, but unless it's like grains of rice. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's a little bit the idea that I think science get more and more, we get more and more information through science but we don't know what tomorrow will will bring and same goes with the values i mean like women not working was a was considered a good thing because they could take care of the babies i think the society has evolved a little bit since then and it's also for a better in my opinion as i as i can live today so probably 40 40 years ago i would have been attached with the idea that a woman should have worked. No, I'm not necessarily. It was good 40 years ago. It's not necessarily good today. So that's in that sense, I, I think it's all about nuance. It's all about moderation. And and ultimately, to me, it's about how can we be able to live with the consequences of, of our attachments today, of, of our choices today? And can we change with that? I can, I can maybe nuance. It's not necessarily that what we consider as attachment today would not be considered as an attachment tomorrow it is just that it's about like maybe it's about how can we look at what we consider or what what blocks us into a certain process and that blockage would be an attachment yeah so how do we know when we're forming you know how how do attachments manifest themselves in our lives Heidi and how can we distinguish between so not good and bad but as Robbie said, those that are helping us on our spiritual quest and those are not. What are the, some of the signs that we should look for? What I think is, is really interesting here is that I believe on our healing journey on my own and what I see in my one-on-one -on -one work with people is that there's a certain attachment as well to our very story of life. And at a certain point, I do feel that, okay, we see that for example, I'm in a way attached to my birth. It's why I came here. And when you have these psychological breakthroughs where you see, okay, I'm actually behaving this way since I was born because of this, this aspect that was in my parental relationship. If I would really let go of that, I actually evolve beyond that and would create a second story, which is completely fresh and new and what I see is that it's really difficult these things have to kind of run their course in a way as well and sometimes we really attach to the breakthrough of like okay this thing happened to me in my childhood and I'm attached to my past in a way to my story of what happened then to explain why my life is the way it is now and to move beyond that and like be totally free, it would actually mean letting go of so much more than not eating chocolate, you know, but eating chocolate might be just a defense mechanism. So in a way, yeah, that's an attachment then. But yeah. yeah. I'm reminded of, I, I have a lovely sister-in-law mm -hmm. and she loves to make fun of me. It's very easy. Um, and she very carefully listens to my stories about hardship in childhood and, and and she looks very concerned. And then after I finished my long story, which she's probably heard before, she's like, how long ago was that, Matt? <laughs> and then I have to like, uh, 40 years ago. She's like, isn't it time to let go? Just let that go. You're absolutely right that we are really attached to the story of our lives. I'm delighted that you mentioned birth. You know, when we're born, Dharma, this, uh, yeah. you know, the path that we take somehow is involved in this, this question. Do you have anything to say about Dharma and also sort of letting go of the circumstances that we experience on our, on the Dharmic path? Well, the reason I got personally into astrology was this idea that sometimes you meet someone 
And why do two strangers collide at that moment and do we have this instant attachment? It's kind of like the moment of birth, like we choose our parents or that's what I come from in, uh, in the esoteric tradition. And in a sense, there is something in um, the Tibetan book of living and dying and it can be a symbolic interpretation or a literal interpretation, but that you die with three felt photographs. So we die with this, like basically we come back because of this attachment to mostly people that we've met, so souls on another level, and we come to meet them again because the story isn't finished. So I've been always fascinated by that part of it. So that moment that we actually are learning how to die more detached, but in a way it's a kind of negation of life because then it's like, okay, I don't want to come back. And for me personally, I'm trying to get out of that a bit. I really wanted to quit samsara at some point, but it's beyond my control and I probably have many rounds to go. So, I think you may be one of the first people that I've met and spoken to that actually wants to escape samsara, right? The rest of us are like, you know, I love my life. I, I love my life and I love living. I'm glad that you bring in this, you know, the this idea of, of life and death and attachment and non-attachment and that the point of dying, you know, you're still attached to life and so you're going to be reborn again if you if you believe mm -hmm. in 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 that but tradition. Weren't, weren't you really like when I first read the sutras of Patanjali, which is a very austere kind of scripture, but there was written clinging to life is a vice and I sat with that for like months. I was like uh-huh. So the hoarding, okay, we all hoard stuff. Like maybe I maybe hoard a bit of clothes or like we all hoard. We can hoard money, hoard anything, but we're all hoarding life subconsciously in, in yeah. a way. And when I felt clinging to life is a vice, I was like, okay. So not being able to die easily mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is considered a vice. And it makes sense because this path to liber liberation Robbie was talking about, in a sense, it's to not to stop the human wheel of reincarnation yeah after this but i love life too <laughs> <laughs> so let's bring this down to a practical day-to-day -day level and and one that that we all 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 think about on 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 a more daily basis and that's attachment and addiction so robbie mentioned addiction and i think that this is this is a very this is a more clearly defined idea where you're attached to something and the attachment has clearly negative consequences, whether they be physical health or mental health or whatever. There's clearly a difference between them, Heidi, but how do we make a distinction? Is there a fine or very clear line between an attachment, which we should you know, work on maybe, or an addiction, which we should clearly try to negate, that we should try to overcome more seriously with, with more effort? I would ask myself personally, is this blocking me in doing what I want to do with my life? And at that point, the attachment would be something that I have to work on. Now, there are long-standing ones. I was addicted to, to chocolate for like a year and a half. I mean, it's a soft addiction, yeah. but... And how, I mean, how did that manifest yourself? How can you say now that you know you were addicted to chocolate? Well, for example, I think I needed really the serotonin in it. And right. so I switched to raw, pure cacao. So I'm still addicted in a way, but I am not uh, doing the sugar uh, tablette uh, Cote d'Or <laughs> of 150 grams a day anymore. That was not really directly blocking my life. Yeah. It did not really, probably it wasn't the best thing for my digestive system. So I uh, did have to make a switch. So I'm thinking if it kind of blocks your functioning, then it's really something to consider to break. Mm-hmm. That every habit that we do that kind of inhibits us from blossoming in a way is something to reconsider. Yeah. Colin. Just maybe a question. Don't you think that the difference between addiction and attachment would be that when you have an attachment, I think it's something that you can consciously work on. Well, an addiction is something that goes above that. It's something that... It's not only mental, it's also physical most of the time that we start to be 
it's beyond attachment. It's it's not some it's it's become uncontrollable that we we need the thing for different for different reasons, whether they're physical or mental. But we need it while at least in my definition, I think an attachment is a subversion. Monica could survive without taking her insulin every day at seven o'clock. Well, if she was injecting with heroin, probably she would not be able to control herself anymore. To me, that maybe the nuance I would make between an attachment and addiction, I think one is something that we can easily work on. The other one, by self-reflection, I think an addiction is this, we probably should seek for extra help. Mm-hmm. How about our attachment to people then? Like in a sense, like this can also be like an addiction and it's more like an infatuation. Like it's the old story of attachment <laughs> versus versus love again, but... Like, there's a lot of attachments between people. Well, well, can't we take that discussion back to um, the principle that we've already all agreed on (laughs) and outlined, which is, you know, some people are going to stand in the way of your spiritual development or your human evolution, as as the Buddhists like to call it. And some people are not. And some people are going to help it along. And usually there's one person in your life who's going to be both, right? Your, your, your close partner, your husband, wife, or whatever. They're usually going to be the person who at times stands in the way of your spiritual development. Um, but also they're going to be the person who they're going to provide the situation where you can grow spiritually, right? Let me step back and do a little bit of conclusion. Where are we at, the, at this point in the discussion? We're born into attachment. When we're born, we're born into attachment, an attachment to life, an attachment to our families. Um, and we become attached to our stories. You know, what happened to me to make me good or bad, happy or sad? We need physical things to support our bodies, as Colin pointed out, as, as Monica pointed out. And we need, we need attachments to people and experiences and good and back feedback rewards from, from things we do and things we feel. All of these things are going to happen to us, whether we're practicing uh, detachment or attachment. A lot of times, spiritual seekers, yogis, we focus with, let's say, a negative slight on things, you know. So, all of those experiences we're 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 going to have. How can we have those experiences, learn from them, and grow, but not form an attachment? What kind of frame of mind? What kind of thinking should we employ in order to take those experiences as they come, but not? form attachments that are going to interrupt our spiritual journey. I would like to share something. Yeah. Share. A very famous yogi, she said, will this matter in five years? That really helps me personally. (laughs) Always asking yourself, is this what I want to feel? Is this making me happy? Is this helping me? Is this attitude supporting me is this attitude or or thinking process helping me to progress to move forward to grow and then to get more detached or more liberated you know i think it's really being present being self-conscious being aware like uh, like today i had a um, a little bit of an experience and i a conversation with a friend and i fired up and i got really a little bit disappointed and then i was as i was walking i was asking myself what is causing this reaction what is causing this suffering what where is this coming from one of the many things I railed against in my teacher training was, you know, somebody was saying, oh, it's no good letting go of, and I, I'm sorry, I have to use this example, but it's no good letting go of, you know, sex when you're in your 80s and you just can't do it anymore. That's not really letting go. You have to let go of it when you... When you're in your 30s. <laughs> what it's saying is that sort of it's not letting go of something if, you know, if it dies or if circumstances change and... That you know that it can stop. That you know you you enjoy it, 
but you know that as you enjoy it, you know that it can stop. That it, at some point it might not be there anymore. And it's the same for relationship. You talked about relationships. It's the same for objects. It's the same nothing for literally lasts, everything. Nothing lasts, but nothing is lost. Right. <laughs> no, nothing lasts except Purusha. So I think it's time to insert again a few yogic principles. Let's go to Robbie for these. So... Introduce us a little bit to um, the ideas of raga, abhyasa, vairagya, ap aparigraha. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are all of those things? Um, how did they help us to understand attachment and, and detachment? Yeah, so we travel back to the world of the sutras. Um, we all love the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. I think what's beautiful about the sutras is that it's very short. You know, like there are many, many translations so you find your own uh, translation that works for you in that moment and and this topic of attachment non-attachment practice you know it's it's like a central theme in that scripture and um, sometimes you hear the term vairagya sometimes you hear the word raga um, sometimes you hear the word aparigraha so These are kind of like synonyms, but also we can use them in different contexts, different realms, different, um, yeah, you could say like setting or situations. But the idea is really to create or build a life that embraces both somehow. Um, it's like a dance that we create through, through these practices that we need some sort of, if we stay in the realm of spirit, like a spiritual work, can be yoga, um, Buddhism, meditation, that keeps you on the path that constantly reminds you that there's something beyond the human existence. Whatever that practice is, just do the practice. And of course, there's going to be a moment in your life, okay, I'm doing the practice, but I'm still here, I'm still suffering. So how can I soften that experience? So that's the moment when we need to infuse that with the, the other element. And that's what we call sometimes non-attachment, non-reaction, detachment, non-reactivity, there are different translations, but that's basically the concept of, of abhyasa and vairagya, that we need to combine these two elements. Sometimes they feel like they're opposing each other because we do the practice, but in the end we don't really care about the practice. And, and in a way, it's kind of true. We need to do the practice without really being attached to that the practice will take us somewhere. I think what's really important that We do the practice for the joy of the practice, for the love of the practice, not necessarily to become more um, enlightened, more powerful, have special powers or do handstand or just become a better yogi. I think we need to reach a state. And again, in the world of sutras, yoga, it's a mental practice. So we need to establish a mental state that combines these two elements, abhyasa, vairagya. So for me, abhyasa is not only a dedicated practice, discipline, willpower, strength. It's, it's also a mental state, a continued state, or being in that state of, we can, so, we can call detachment. So basically it's a practice of being in that detached state over and over again, returning back to that state. And then for that, in order to return to that state, the Yoga Sutras or Bhagavad Gita or the Buddhist practice will offer certain tools and techniques and you just need to figure it out. What is the tool that works for me today? Knowing that I might need another tool tomorrow. Thank you for that. that that's comprehensive. I want to draw out a point that, that you've made and that, and that Colin made earlier. Non-attachment isn't not caring. And I think that's a really important point. Sometimes in my past emotional life, I've gone, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not attached to that because I don't care. And of course, every time you say, I don't care, it's just a manifestation of the fact that you really care deeply yes. <laughs> and that you're pretending to yourself that you're, you know, that you're letting that go. It's an important point to say that it's not, it's not that you don't care about something. Um, it's not indifference. It's exactly. not indifference. That's another um, thing. Yeah. And, and you can enjoy the good and bad experiences that you're you're going to have but you should remember as as colin reminded us that they they will go i think um, we just need to have this sort of dual mindset that okay we have a human body 
we can enjoy human life, but we're much more than that. And, and a lot of times we just don't remember that we have also another aspect. So how can we find a life that embraces both existences or like way of looking at life? Because that's basically the story. We have an eternal soul that is now living a human experience. And it's not bad because there's a reason why we're here you know, figure it out why you're here. And that's going to be, we can call it your dharma. And then live your life according to your dharma and don't care too much if you achieve it now because there's no such thing as time. Anyway, you'll get there, you cannot fail. Mm -hmm. so. Navigating so. my own um, personal attachments, I, what yoga really brought me is like to, to appreciate the variety of my emotions. You know, and not just... I used to be really attached to my joy, I think. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people are. <laughs> yeah, but there's something to be found in, in the other places as well. And yeah, there's something to that. And what is it about yoga that helps you to do that? You know, physical practice, mental practice. What, what kind of practices can help us to do that, especially yogic practices? Witness consciousness, just looking at myself from a more detached perspective. I guess it's called meditation. <laughs> it is called meditation. <laughs> and the physical practice, have you, do, are there aspects of the physical practice that you find help you to deal better with attachment and detachment? Well, physically, when I have to densify my experience, I'm always a bit more worried, but I do use my body a lot. So sometimes I come into some kind of, let's say, some scaras that have to really manifest in a physical way and just like being nicer to myself. Like, it's okay that this is happening now. And it used to be really difficult for me to be in a yoga room and not be able to do certain things because mm -hmm. my body would not allow me to do it in that moment. But that's something that I've been able to let go of, I guess, by, repeated, by repeating injury. So, yeah, just stick, sticking with it. Yeah. And again, we have, a, we, you know, we have another example of... So you talked about, okay, so you can you can let go of not being able to do particular asana um, because of repeated injury. Do any of you have examples where you've made a conscious decision to detach yourself from something or, or to lessen the experience of attachment, not simply because you had to, so because you were going to die or because your car died or because you were injured because you couldn't do an asana. Do any of you have an example of making a conscious decision to work on an attachment not because you had to i think sometimes when i look at my own life i you know i traveled to many many places and i had a kind of colorful past when it comes to family and uh, very interesting figures in my family and and of course there's a moment in your life when you need to question that what does this give to me and 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 sometimes with family that form or just simply accept that you know um, that's my family so I need to live with them but also there's a moment in your life I think you can also decide to cut the cord and it's super painful because there's that sometimes you can't really understand but there's that energetic cord that for your own health it needs to be cut mm -hmm. and I, I made that choice you know a couple of years ago with some of my family members and that's that's tough and the way I experienced it, you know, there was a part of me died, but that is okay because with that death, something else emerged. And now that self that's starting to emerge, you know, it's, it feels like fresh. I don't know what that being is, but I know that's there, that's emerging. And it also happened, you know, like friendships that needed to be cut because it just, it was not really um, constructive anymore. It was just more harmful. I can really relate to that in uh, my romantic life. I um, do make, we some, sometimes do make that conscious choice. I could chase something or stay within a situation that is clearly giving me a lot of um, instant pleasure when it's happening, but it's not really good for me. And it's just a sort of attachment again to my story. 
because I can see the imprint of my parental structure in it. So I'm like, okay, this is another psychological projection. Um, let's not do that again, <laughs> however much I would like to do it. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I, I agree with both. I mean, like, we all in our lives at some point had to make a conscious decision whether or not we would continue in some relationships and, and yeah, on, on many aspects also. It's the process of grieving also to come back on another level. It's also, um, it's, I, it's not necessarily a choice because the person is gone, but you also, you can make the choice whether or not you still want this to make you suffer at some point. And, and that's the acceptance with acceptance come a conscious choice i think to to let go of things to yeah turn the page on an easier level i think it's the beauty of the physical yoga practice is that you can indeed sometimes feel your own limitations and consciously choose not to pursue some things because just you feel that it's not the first one it's not necessarily for you but also it's not that important <laughs> And some elements of yoga that I'm not really interested in anymore, just because I don't think that's really crucial at my personal development. Yeah, I just wanted to complete to the what we all said. I think there is a sentence that a friend of mine told me a while back when I felt that I was uh, sort of caged into my own attachment that were creating suffering. And she said, repeat to yourself, I choose freedom. And repeating the sentence, I choose freedom, uh, every time I felt in the cage of my own choices that were linked to my own attachment, when every time I said to myself, I choose freedom, I suddenly felt much stronger uh, with more energy, positive energy that I could make a step forward away from my attachment, so away from the suffering and towards a new reality that I was creating. So choosing freedom is always the sentence that I repeat to myself. I think it's a beautiful story because I think what you described, it's really this a mental state of liberated free mind, freedom from the past suffering, from future worries, and, and achieving that mindset that is really, you could say, free, liberated, empowered. So I think detachment, it's not, you know, weakness, it's not indifference. I think it's a strength. It's a power to, to go through life knowing that waves will come, but over and over again, we have to choose life. We have to choose living, being here. Thank you for your personal stories. I still hear a little bit of this, you know, okay, so I, I've moved on. I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm not sure whether that's really, you know, is that really detachment or is that just the evolution of your life and, and the way that everything changes? Can we bring it right down to baby steps, um, sustainable baby steps. So one thing that has colored our discussion this whole afternoon has been that we're practicing attachment or detachment within the context of the lives we're living now. Our dharma, clearly all of us around this table and probably for many of our listeners is to live in this world, to live inside a family, to have a partner, to have people who are dependent on us. Those attachments probably will help us on our spiritual journey. But if we want to start understanding what detachment is and help us to, you know, utilize it when it's really important, how where do we start? Um, how do we practice non-attachment? Can you give us some tips, Robbie? Well, you already named a few physical practice, uh, meditation, mindfulness, um, reading the scriptures, of course, self-study understanding human mind not just from that oriental perspective but also turn to the western science i think there's um, there are great books on the human mind understanding what is real and what is unreal that's a lifelong practice and you know it's it's it looks like a simple practice but it's not over and over again meditate what is real for me today and with time you just realize that everything is just illusion there's that what we experience, but there's something also permanent. And that comes with, you know, meditation, self-practice, yoga practice, Buddhist practice, um, chanting, singing, mantra. Also, if you want something more concrete, you know, the breath, the breath is such a great teacher. And it, it really has this, 
the two wings of the birds, we talked about abhyasa and vairagya, that you need the inhale in order to exhale, and the exhalation needs the inhalation, right? It's not like they can exist without the other one. So, you know, study both the in-breath, the out-breath, and in order to take a full inhale, we need to let go. You can't hold on to the breath, but practicing the breath, we can practice letting go, and, and that that is a very simple, but probably the most powerful tool for us yogis. Studying the out-breath, for me, that was really one of the, maybe the, the simplest, but the most powerful teaching in the yoga practices, and also like different states of the out-breath, in-breath, you know, what happens at the very end of the out-breath, what is that, you know, emptiness? What can that, um, you know, state of emptiness teach you? And I think it's it's sometimes when you keep your mind in that moment, in that state of emptiness, you know, you feel like the whole world attachments that we form kind of fade away, dissolve, disappear. And for, for a very short time, we can maybe experience freedom, liberation. Sometimes, you know, you do Shavasana, restorative yoga, all these things we can practice. Another great example would be karma yoga. We talked about the idea or the concept of karma yoga according to the Bhagavad Gita how can you apply that to your to your life how can you find an organization an activity that you do something with basically the intention of just doing something something nice for others and you don't want anything in return it's a, it's a nice one to practice non-attach non-attachment I also like to <laughs> always like to mention nature being out in nature and and, and of course we'll we're drawn to different landscapes. I'm more drawn to the sea. I, I like to be at the sea because when I'm there, I feel a bit closer to, you could call it the source, the infinite. So when I gaze into the sea, I can feel closer to that source. But for, I know that for some people, it's, um, it's a roof garden, it's um, you know mountains, an island, or just simply being in a park. Just find a practice or find a way an environment that helps you to connect with something greater than you, a greater force. Because once you're connecting with that force, I think you feel much more humble. Your ego becomes a bit smaller. And I think that's also one of the obstacles we didn't really talk about, but basically understanding the ego, how, how it functions, why do we create likes and dislikes? And how can we cut that? And how can we really just see through the place of the ego? Uh, maybe another last one for this practice of Pratyahara. I already mentioned breath, working with the breath, and somehow using the breath to, to withdraw the senses and, and prepare for meditation. But also when it comes to the sense organs, you know, study all the sense organs, how the, these organs keep us somehow engaged, imprisoned in this material world, even through sound, colors, taste, food. What are these things that somehow make us blind or addicted or attached to certain experiences? So basically it all comes down to self-study and then using all these scriptures to create a framework. I think that's... Um, that's great and very helpful. Thank you, Robbie. That's a comprehensive list. And what is the one thing I take from that um, that we could all do right now and that would make the world a better place and make us happier and uh, understand detachment more is um, go out and volunteer. Go find an organization that does some good in the world and go and volunteer. And that will really help you with detachment. So we're coming to the end, there's an important point to make before we get our final observations from our panel. One of the wonderful and scary things about yoga and what you learn in the sutras is you do all of this and you understand all of this and then finally you have to let go even of the promises in the scriptures. Name your scripture you have to let go of it. So you have to even let go of the concept of all of this that you have been working towards in this lifetime or all the lifetimes that you've lived, depending on what you believe. And in the end, you even have to let go of that. So that 
you can think about at home. Do we have any final observations um, that we want to make about detachment, attachment? Maybe just try to re try to reflect and about, and that's also to me an, an easy tool to to do on your own is to reflect what are the what are the costs of your attachment, and not only for yourself but for for others also. What I what's yeah at what expense. Mm -hmm. do you have attachment and or at what expense do you need really some things and it's not only for you but it's also for others it's it's i think we talked a lot about today about attachment regarding our own person i think it's maybe also trying to bring that to something a little bit bigger attachment is also climate change the planet is also can be see, seen through the prism of attachment do we really need all that can we is there anything else we can do without necessarily feeling guilty about it but just being mindful being conscious reflecting about this on a daily basis it's it's kind of easy and um, can be helpful I know it's a big topic so I don't want to open up I just wanted to say that I think for us yogis spiritual seekers we tend to create also a new personal identity, this false, you know, like this virtuous, great yogi, sage, um, good student, good teacher, good meditator, you know, all these things that we create labels. I think it's also important to to even examine these labels that we create in the spiritual world, like, because that's also, you know, these are also attachments. And as you also said that with time, we'd like to to go beyond even the purest qualities. You know, all the scriptures talk about these gunas, even the, the purest, lightest, most beautiful quality. If that's your goal to find liberation, we need to transcend or ideally we transcend. Okay. Perfect. We've given you a lot to think about. And of course, you're welcome to bring up any of these ideas and questions with your Y yoga teachers just pop into the studio and have a chat with somebody. And don't forget that the physical asana practice that is offered here is going to help you learn how to let go of some things. And it's going to teach you or show you how to get into that state of mind where you can make that judgment. How much is this attachment costing me? or other people, and is there something I can do about it? It's been a pleasure to talk to you all again this afternoon after such a long time. I have to say, I felt attached to doing this podcast when it wasn't here, but I know that I'll let go of it eventually. It's time to say goodbye. We have to let go of this episode. Thanks for your contribution, Robbie. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. And Colin. Bye, everybody. And Monica. Goodbye. Thank you so much. It was very interesting conversation. Super interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Heidi, it's been a pleasure um, to do the podcast with you. And I hope that you'll be a guest again. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everyone. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.